Hello, good evening, and welcome to, well, I can't believe that I am saying this, season four of The Game is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me tonight are Ricky and Milo. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Steph. Hi, Steph. And pre-season training as we are for this up for this season four. Um, I'd like to know uh, what have been your highlight memories and vibes of the past three seasons of The Game is About Glory. Um vibes it's more vibes than highlights i'd say but i just think i was just thinking when you, when i saw this in the notes i was just thinking the other day of how, of how unfortunately glum we've had it haven't we over the years <laughs> since we've done it. no no this is this is i'm going to swing this round yeah, to positivity no it's I like know. i mean off the field we've had a, a global fucking pandemic to deal with yeah and on the field Check. yeah a silver lining of the pandemic is this thing exists because of that that's a great thing, isn't it, guys? Don't mm-hmm. forget that. And then, like, on the field, we've literally covered Jose Mourinho and Ant- Antonio Conte seasons. And Fake. I think we've... Um, and to our credit, we've held up through that. You know, we've pulled together. Yes. And um, I think we've tried our best to be the voice of reason, guys. And mm. what I'm hoping now in season four, fresh start, everything like that, you know, a bit of mm. verve and positivity. And hopefully... Um, He's sacked by November know. and Neil Warnock comes in for the rest of the season. Oh, I was going to say... Oh, I haven't nicked it, have I? <laughs> no, I was going to say, glimpse of the promised land. I was a lot more positive than you. Oh, damn. Oh, no. Yes, it's the fourth season onwards and upwards, guys. I, I, I think, actually, the kind of fucking awful football we've had to talk about. Exactly. It, it, in a way, it's been... So, it's bizarre. I think I think we're alone on well, not alone, but we're unusual in Spurs pods in that our numbers are better after a bad game. I think I think most pods have the opposite, and I think maybe that's partly because people take refuge here when um, when things are bad because they know we're not going to rant and rave. Um, and, the, so, and the negative so, people have gone off to Beachy Head, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Their numbers are so, down. <laughs> so, so this season might be awful for this pod. At the moment, we're kind of we've been like, yeah. the last few months. Well, actually, since we started, numbers have gone up and up and up. And at the moment, the kind of biggest biggest downloads we've ever had, you know, and fastest, you know. Uh, but maybe if we get start getting good results, people will go off to other places because they won't they won't need us. Oh no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in terms of favourites, I I mean, obviously the match runs are good and. But they're kind of they're of the moment, and I I don't think about them quite so much afterwards. I loved the uh, look back we did on Danny Rose. I think that was one of the best mm. best things we've done. I, I I've enjoyed the um the ones we've done on decades, and then I think yes. the first one very strong. I think the first one that where I think we really found our feet was uh, I think it was a, a couple of months into starting. We did one on Boo Boys, or we did a discussion on Boo Boys, which I th- I think probably I think if we've got some recurrent themes that we kind of go back to, it's kind of so it's fans getting on players' backs or kind of overreaction to players. And then maybe um, kind of players who turn things around or kind of that longer story. So I think the Danny Rose one fits like that. The other ones where we've done the Where Are We Now episodes, I think the first one we did of that, and um, I, th- I really enjoyed those. So, yeah, I think those are probably my standouts, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to be missing a lot that I've really enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, I, <clears throat> I agree. Uh, I mean, individual episodes, I can't... I, I... <laughs> When I when I put this in, the first thing I thought of was Barney saying, "Got to try mm. this Applewood smoked <sighs> vegan cheddar. It's great. Can you get that out there, Steph? This Applewood vegan cheese. It's really great." For some reason, out of every pod, that was the that's the one moment that screamed out as being because where what other Tottenham Hotspur pod are you going to end up hearing about vegan cheese? It's and I think one of the strengths. I mean, and look, let's let's be I lo- arrogant. I love his story. I love his. 
I loved his story about the European final, European yeah, Cup final, great. banging yeah, his head on the. Um... <laughs> yeah, yeah, but and for those who don't know, what we're talking about Barney, um, singer of Napalm Death, joined us a couple of years ago now um, mm. after a game against Aston Villa, his beloved Aston Villa, bless him. Um, and uh, yeah, and it, it was a great episode. But I think again, one of the things I like is that we do we we, we and we'll toot our horn for a minute. You know, we'll we'll go anywhere. There's a good metaphor to be had, or uh, or a good story to be pulled. We'll make it work, whether it be with a band or with you know getting Barney on from Napalm. And uh, I I I love it. I love the fact that we're all um united in this thing and quite different as well we have different ways of looking at the game which i think makes the pod really strong and i don't know i I mean the most important thing isn't it what they say that you should enjoy your football right well Mm. i think same goes with your podding i mean i really enjoy it i mean it's just it really feels and i've learned i mean i'm learning a lot as well about how to um just how to control yourself really you know, as well. I mean, as you said, uh, Milo, those moments where, you know, you could go ranting and raving, you kind of sit there and try and find the alternate the alternate pathway mm. through, if, if if for no other reason than to make it bearable for yourselves, right? And I think especially that's... especially in the modern age of the football noise that goes on yeah, you know, tenfold to what it used to. So I I remember early on the like kind of pre pods discussions after bad games having a conscious discussion around that kind of the evening before and actually people kind of stepping aside saying actually I'm not right for this week because of where I, where my head's at mm-hmm. and I think I don't think we have to have that now because I think we yeah, obviously we're used to each other and um yeah, yeah the pod's got a feel and and you know you, it's, it's easy because you kind of click into what you're doing and that doesn't mean you hide yeah. what you're thinking or hide what you're feeling or what have you but um early on when we didn't know each other so well and we didn't really have that established kind of style um we had to kind of talk to each other and, and find out where the middle ground was between us and, and what worked together. Yeah. I think ultimately, yeah. I mean, the thing that sticks out for me more than anything about this pod is, I, you know, I didn't, I hadn't found a podcast about Tottenham Hotspur Football Club that I wanted to listen to before this one. And, and now I have. And actually, um, you know, we, we're having a bit of a, a joke about this before we recorded, but you know, the few pods that I've not been on have given me a chance to listen to it from an outside perspective, you know, with no, not a hint of narcissism involved at all. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and I, I really just, I just enjoy the tone. I enjoy the places the conversation goes uh, and, and I enjoy the balances and, you know, and I have to say as well, I mean, you know, <clears throat> Milo, I think has uh uh, early doors was very very insistent on audio quality um and mm-hmm. and and editing and i think that's really made a huge difference it has so anyway now that we've bored everyone senseless with telling them how great we are shall <laughs> we shall we <laughs> just <laughs> that we jinxed it just put a trumpet <laughs> down it. Uh, yeah yeah people put, think they've just, yeah, to, people think they've tuned into view from the lane won't they oh <laughs> 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 uh, well anyway look Aside from our greatness and our impending fourth season, can you actually, chaps, remember a season in even the not-so-recent past when there was such a firm commitment to action before a ball was kicked? I mean, Decky, Vicario, Madison all signed before the first bead of sweat. A bead of spet was swent. That is, bead of sweat was spent in a training session for 2023-24. Uh, look, it appears that Ange isn't one for the sort of performative bollocks we've seen with the likes of uh, Antonio Conte, is he? So um, with that, another bugle. The week that was. And Milo, take us away. It's, 
it's probably worth saying that we haven't got a theme for this week's. Normally, we'd have during the summer we'd have a kind of discussion point. Yes, we have. There's so it's much how going- great we are. <laughs> there's so <laughs> there's so much going on this week that we're kind of we're taking this as a. Uh, well, not even mid-window, is it? We're kind of two, three weeks into the window opening, but a kind of review of where we've got up to so far. There's so yeah. many signings, comings and goings and rumours and stuff that we'll, fo- we'll focus on that and then we'll talk about where we are and what's left to do. Sorry, Steph, you wanted to come in there. No, mm. I do. I just want to throw a theme in that we should, a little mini theme before we uh, allow you to take away the week that was for us, um, is that you uh, worked very hard on a new logo. Mm. And so if uh, ob- observant listeners... Which is not um, it's uh, as weird as it sounds. Onto, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think well, it might take a little while to feed through to different pod players. Okay, well, that's let, on mine. Let, let it's it, on mine already. Let right? it let it just be said that uh, Milo has put together um, uh, some really a really great new logo, and what I consider to be one of the finest interpretations of the cockerel I have ever seen. Uh, th- th- I mean, it was it, it, it's wonderful. It 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 sort of looks alive. Like I feel Tottenham Hotspur are right now. So, uh, so uh, anyway, that that's all. That's all to down to Milo. When you look at that magnificent cockerel and think, "Crikey, who the hell was behind that?" You can you can thank Milo. So there oh, we are. Thank you very much. Um, yes, take it away, mate. Right. So we kick off with the news that James Madison has joined us from Leicester City for forty million pounds plus add-ons. He signed a five-year contract, which will keep him here until the summer of twenty twenty-eight. What do you think, guys? Is he the missing piece of the puzzle? Steph, me? Oh, okay. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I think you should go first. Okay, I'll go first. Um, <laughs> James Madison. very excited. <laughs> no, I am excited. I think um, I think it was well rumoured that we were going to be after him. And at 26 years old and at 40 million, I think if you're doing a little bit of price comparison against other people that have gone, that seems a bit of a bargain. Uh, I think... Uh, a prerequisite. Why can't I say that word? Prerequisite. There you go. Um, is that you want someone that's a switched-on player, a hard worker, which I think he ticks that box. Mm-hmm. But I think he also adds um, the, uh, the the stats for assists and goals are undeniable for him. And of course, in our league, he's not coming from a foreign league. So, and I think I saw a video analysis of this, and I think over the one season, two season, three season, four season, five seasons, he's up there. In uh, I think over five seasons in the Premier League, he's in the top four players. Four, for that. that's right. Yeah, behind yeah, Cade, which, which shocked me. Salah and yeah. uh, De Berna. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, which really shocked me. So he's he's ticking those boxes, and that doesn't take much kind of of a brainy computer to throw out that kind of player can be valuable to us. So, um, and I also think it's quite nice that um, it's quite nice. Leicester was sensible about this. I think you know, in other words. We've had discussions with them. I mean, they didn't because I, I think I'd been. I don't know if you agree. I'd have been probably quite happy to pay fifty million for him, and thought it was in a reasonable deal. So um, I think, yeah, us and Leicester are quite sensible about this, and I think, as we'll go on to say, it probably includes in the Winks deal as well. Really, to be honest, Steph. Yeah, I, I think that it's well worth noting. I've, I've read people say, well, you know, we should have got him when he was at Norwich, or we should have got him this, and we should have got him that. I mean, look, we, we perhaps under Poch, there was an argument that he. Should should have come in but Christian Eriksen was doing extremely well at the time obviously and so there was no real space you know saying that we should have got him in the last three years or so uh, not with the managers we had in place absolutely not this is uh not only is this the the right signing for us as a football club because he is the sort of footballer that we all enjoy watching and the sort of footballer I think we would agree defines to an extent 
what a Tottenham Hotspur footballer is. But again, this goes back to what we said last week. Everything is congruent. We have a manager who wants to play like that with players like that. So he's going to come in and he's going to have a huge impact because the manager wants him and wants what he brings to the team. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty well known that we wanted the club wanted to sign him last summer and Conte said no. So, um, you know, it's not... I mean, we know that the club have been watching him since he was at Coventry. Um, but... You know, if the manager doesn't want him, then you know it, it's um, you know it's right not to sign him. But I think that yeah. just does kind of highlight the gap between you know the managers we were appointing and how they didn't really fit with the club strategy. And now we have got a manager who's better aligned to the club's club strategy. Kind of these club signings, and we know that these are whilst and just signed off on these signings. We know that they're signings that have been identified by the analysts, by you know by the scouting network. They're, they're players that we've been you know linked with and watching for a while, long before Ange was. Um, you know, through the door. Um, and, you know, we just, it's, I think, Ricky, it's about what you talk about, really, isn't it? Between that link between the manager and the fans and the club and what have yeah. you. And we're, we're seeing that in action here with um, with players who fit with the with the club's identity and how we want to play. I was going to say, I think there's a good chance he's another 10 to 15 goal season, a man. And, you know, and Son's obviously that. Kulu can be that. And all the time Kane's around, we're not short of goals. But if, let's say, Kane goes even next this season or next season, you're going to have to have a few players that are going to have got the potential to chip in because some people just aren't goal scorers no matter, you know, where they play quite often. I mean, Madison I, is. I, th- I think this is where he makes a difference. Um, you know, last season, we've only really got Decky and, and Kane in the side who are, you know, decent passers. Um, so we were very reliant on them for for creativity. Decky spent a fair amount of time injured, which meant that we were kind of even more workmanlike than you know we would be normally under under Conte. You know, I mean, this is part of the reason why I spent so much the last summer banging on about the need to bring another passer in because we were we, we were short of them. And one of the reasons why I was so keen on Madison when he was being linked last summer because you know it would have given that it would have given us some cover. Um, I mean, I think in terms of the Ange side, I think I think he's really useful because he can cover a few positions. You know, obviously, I think we probably expect him to play as a as an at number eight, but he could he could also cover both both wing positions as well. Um, so it gives us that flexibility and that cover, um, which is really useful. It also means that in game, if for instance Sun wants to drift in field, then Madison could go out and cover him, and we don't, you know, we, we're not leaving the gaps the gaps there, which is is great. Well, we're back to that flexibility we used to have when Christian Eriksen was in the side, where you could have a free rotation between your best attacking talents. And we, you know, obviously a lot of that also comes to the fact that we now have a manager who wants to play like that. I mean, look, it, it, it fits It fits in all manner of ways. I mean, it really does. I mean, it was, I think the biggest shock of it is, uh, as uh, you said, Ricky, at the beginning, that it happened, came together so quickly. I mean, I think, you know, there's a lot of, um, I think the agency involved is base and there's a lot of uh, a few few of our players are on base and I, I believe and I'm not sure so don't quote me on this but I thought that Ange uh, Ange's agent was and, uh, Ange's base, base as well. Pedro Porro's base Son is base yeah. um, no, sorry that's what's on my head I know there's more as well so as public enemy so oh, base in your uh, face Scott, right <laughs> Scott, Scott Munn Scott Munn is represented by base as well well, there we are. So, you know, at a base level, we've it, it, it was always destined to go through quickly, I suppose, as long as Ange wanted him. And, 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 and so he has. <laughs> so so do, you, do you think when Levy went into negotiations, he said to Leicester, base, how low can you go? <laughs> I don't love to think that he made a few puns like of that. Course. Of course, he you said know. that. That's his magic words, isn't it? I think yeah, it's, it'd yeah. be cheaper if he, if we just, 
It'd be cheaper if we as a club just bought base by the sound of it. We'd save a lot in kind of agents' fees, wouldn't we? <laughs> oh, they, they, yeah, that, that could be another long conversation, really, couldn't it? Because there's all sorts <laughs> of conspiracies we could weave there. Please. Let's move on. Uh, bring, us, bring us further along, Mike. I was, I, I was really having to fight the urge to do the rest of Bring the Noise then. It's, uh... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, did you see it? <laughs> Did you see his Spurs play interview and uh, how do you think he came across? And for you, Steph, have you changed your mind about him from a I year have. ago? And look, yeah, I mean, look, when this pod, when we were originally talking about talking about Madison, I, I, I excitedly got on to, to Milo and, and, and was like, you know, what, what, what? Maybe maybe you should try and cut, you know, cut out those bits where I said he had a punchable face and Ram was saying, yes, he's got a punchable face. And we both it, acted like like 10 year olds saying, it, he's got a punchable face. And Milo actually Ram, said that he would be. It, it was Ram who started that, which is probably the most uncharacteristic Ram <laughs> comment. Straight off, like he, yeah. he was, that's what he said. Because I, I re-listened to it this, wow. this week, too. <laughs> and uh, Ram and violence don't go together. No, I don't know whether no. we caught him on a bad week or something. Well, it must have run deep for Ram in that. So it, it's going to be hard no, for him I to mean, sort of, you know, switch his, <laughs> flip the script on that one, isn't it? It's going to be. It, it's interesting. I, I think that you know, look, there's as I love to say at these moments there's always a certain level of football hypocrisy that i feel indemnifies any previous opinion when i go 180 on it right so uh let's invoke that clause let's also say that maybe uh, maybe i was a little justified in thinking he was a bit of a sort of a a, a twit i don't think so don't you know? think so at all uh when I he was he's... a kid he kind of he kind, hang on well, let me just finish my point and he was kind of like you know a bit chavvy and this and that but then maybe i was too judgmental and i think that the, i think the truth lies in the middle i think i was probably too judgmental based on a few you know spurious rumors around him and his character um and i did watch his interviews and i actually have to say i thought he came across as an incredibly um uh, dialed in uh football um really football loving um bloke who genuinely seems really excited to play at Tottenham Hotspur Football Club and 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 you know yeah I, I don't know if I changed my opinion of it it's sort of solidified that I probably overcooked the egg the other way in the first place and allowed myself to to kind of swing down a negative path against somebody who maybe didn't deserve it so think- now I'm full on board fully on board yeah no I thought you sounded really erudite actually for you know I I just think that I mean I probably viewed him in the same way you know in that kind of stereotype way that you view like Trent Alexander Arnold, Delhi, Grealish, all them, thinking they're like young, they've got the sharp haircut, they've got whatever, and they've got probably a lot of money to spend, and maybe they're a little bit flash, but they're just living. But I thought that as a general kind of group of them kind of players, just because of the, the kind of impression I get. But even well before this interview, even when he started doing interviews for Leicester, I've changed mm. my mind even then because I think he's he's got a considering so many other players a media train, he's got a very honest and sincere way of speaking and he says it as he sees it and like and it, and that's what changed my mind when he I used to watch him Leicester not that I was like felt like I wanted to punch him in the face I never felt that strong stuff but um but he also says it with he just says it with no sort of hyperbole or drama when he says stuff so he's not like you know he's never like angry in that and I think it's just what you see is what you get with him and hmm. uh he's and the other thing he's had like he's had a baby boy now and I think got twins think, on the way He's got twins on the way, hasn't yeah. he? And that kind of thing. And that's the good thing. I think he's one of those people you look at and I don't think he's got, he doesn't feel like he's got anything he's hiding or he's got any dark side and that. And I just think he feels, you know, he's just, it's just like a straightforward kind of person. And, yeah, you know, I, I'm up for them kind of people. You know, kind of, yeah, <laughs> they're less I mean, complicated. I, I agree with you. And so when I, you know, what's seen him be interviewed 
when he was at Leicester, I thought he was coming across as being very articulate. Um, he clearly mm. has got, yeah, clearly understands the game and is interested in the game. And yeah, I think he has a better level of understanding of what's happening in a game than a lot of players, or at least is able to articulate it a lot better than a lot of players. Um, and I think the way he comes across is you could, you could easily imagine him being a successful coach or, or manager after he retires because, because of that kind of, that level of understanding and, and, um, and how he's able to communicate. So yeah, I, I like the lad. Um, and just, just briefly, so on, you know, before we wrap this section up, um, and this is probably about Ange as much as Madison, but what do you think, Madison, what did you think of Madison's statement about what Ange said to him? So whether you come or whether you come or not, you're going to see a completely different Spurs team under me. Well, I think it says two things to me. Number one, it says that James Madison is not afraid of of, of you know the manager uh, in in any way, which is good. He didn't take it personally. I mean, some players who are maybe a little more sensitive might have taken that as a sort of like, well, I don't really care if you're here or not, and that's very clearly not what. Andrew's saying, but it was sort of like it intrigued Madison to think, oh, wow. And it already gives you an insight into the fact, yes, he is a football man, because (laughs) for him to respond so positively and earmark that comment, it means he's keenly aware of how we haven't been playing for the last few years, uh, whether that be through dressing room conversations with England and our England players or just observing maybe a mixture of both. So I thought that was good. And I've got to say, I mean, it did say a lot about Andrew as well, didn't it? And I don't know if this is the appropriate time to get into that or not. Um, I could spend 30 seconds telling you why. Go on, uh, you spend 30 seconds on that. This is a Madison section. Yeah, no, go on, this is a Madison section. Go, Steph. Okay, I mean, I just think what it says about Ange is um, that he's just not a bullshitter. He's incredibly, it just seems to be incredibly honest. And it seems like the games are over. It seems like this, as I said at the top of it, uh, this performative stuff, I just don't think we're going to see that from him. And I find it utterly refreshing. Um, uh, you know, I like, I know in the past I've said I love performative stuff, but I like performative stuff when it's met with, with a backbone. Potter is performative <laughs> and he actually had a backbone too. Um, but I don't like it when it's bullshit, when it's just there for performance. Mm. He doesn't seem like a performer. I thought it was great, you know. Yeah, there's kind of, there's there's kind of relaxed confidence about Ange, yeah. isn't there? Mm. And, and that comment is that really, isn't it? Yeah, relaxed yes. confidence. It's kind of like yeah, yeah. And you can yeah. buy into that. That's mm. that's a yes. and that's a nice person to work with, isn't it? Someone who's kind of like mm. yeah, yeah, I've got this. It's, it's basically yeah. what he's saying, isn't it? And yeah. I think I think actually, if you look at his his attitude to the coaches, you know, he wanted to bring a load of people with Celtic with him. That hasn't been able to happen. He's brought a load of new people in. No one he's worked with before. And he's like, yeah, great. They're all good guys. I'm looking forward to working with them. It's just kind of no drama. Just get on with it. And and by the same kind of, token, he's not a doormat. He's not. A do- he doesn't come across in any way, shape, or form like Daniel Levy's doormat. And he doesn't project like he's going to be. He's his own man as well. I, I get that impression. Yeah, I think that the the, the tool, he's used a little tool there. I think as well, planting a seed in Madison's head in the kind of reverse psychology way. I think in modern parlance, it's the old. It's giving him a little dose of the FOMO there, isn't he? Fear of missing out. Mm. You know what I mean? In other words, if you don't, if you're not on board, you're going to be missing a real cool journey. But um, good, so good for James yeah, Madison it, for responding you, so positively. You know? Yeah, no, I think so. I think so because it doesn't need it his like, ass As you say, he didn't take it dismissively, as in you know, oh well, that, that, he didn't basically he didn't take it as though you were implying that well, I can take you or leave you. He's, he wasn't saying that at all, yeah. was he? He was saying, look, I've got, I'm going to have something good going on here, and you want to get on board because you know it's yeah. a good place to be. Well, it's better than Leicester anyway. He could have said that, couldn't he? <laughs> I just want to say, I did look at, <laughs> I did take a look at extra videos. He has the most incredible garden. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah. Try and look up. Try yeah, and look up that. his garden. It's it, it's a concrete garden, pretty much, with a football pitch in the back. He's shaking his so, head in dismay. I think it's, a, a, but it is a total modern footballer. 
backyard. And he also referred to his barnet in uh, one of the videos I saw. So uh, further insights into James Madison from the games about glory that you may never hear because they may hit the floor. (laughs) (laughs) That's a bit hard. I watched the video with the garden, Steph, don't worry. Let's move on to Guglielmo. Let's move on to Guglielmo Vicario. Uh, that uh, another heavily trailed transfer that was confirmed on Tuesday, uh, and he joined us for seventeen million quid from Empoli. Uh, but we, we, you know, we spoke about him uh, at some length last week, so there, there's probably not too much to say here, other than uh, are you pleased with this signing? Yep. Yeah, I am. I mean, I wasn't on last week, so um, yeah. The goal keeping situation is. Um, uh, I think obviously there's a financial consideration with this transfer. You know, he was probably half the price of Raya. Raya, but I'm um, I'm always a bit I'm, I'm always a bit worried because you kind of fuck around with your goalkeeper position at your peril, really, don't you? It's like there's a unique position, no other position on the pitch is like that. And I'm just the only slight worry is there's a lot of um, there's so much sort of molding and reconfiguration of the squad as it is already that if you brought a guy in who's obviously unproven. Um, if that goes a bit wrong, because let's face it, I think even De Gea joined Man United and it all went a bit wonky from the offs, didn't it? Then you could, when I suppose Raya would have been a bit more almost guaranteed to work, although to guarantee, to buy that guarantee to work, it, work, it's another 17 million quid, isn't it? Let's be honest. So, um, uh, so I can understand the financial consideration. I mean, the other thing to think about really is, um, he's, I, I guess he, I reckon he's only on probably about forty grand a week, and Loris was on one hundred and twenty. Do you reckon, if not more? So, yeah, it's a chunk off the wage bill. Put it that way as well. Um, I'm I just, as I say, I'm just a little bit worried about it because of other things that are going on as well. He's he's a good age and that kind of thing. I think maybe um, Gabonini might have crossed his path at Udinese. Is that right? If you have a look back at their timelines, mm, possibly. Um, so you might know him from there. I mean, you were saying about the, the the Gallini thing is a lazy comparison, but I suppose, but realistically, the only differentiator with that. Is is that someone's tapped some command prompts into a computer and it spewed out this guy when Galini was well? No, no, he is. That's the only difference, and we don't know. We only take that with face value. Let's be honest, guys. That the computer thing's that, going on. But you could say that about any signing. You know, yeah, certainly. I mean, but then, but but the same with Galini, really. I mean, Galini's an Italian keeper, played for a better side than this bloke for a year. And the only difference is, is that he flicked through a little black book and thought, "Oh, Galini, at your fancy London, that kind of G- thing." Galini had struggled for a first team place at quite a few clubs though before he joined us, so he'd been in and out of um, in the packing order. So I don't think it's, I don't. But I know the comparison. All I'm saying is, is that even before this bloke was on our radar, we knew nothing about him. I mean, as in, as in supporters. Mm. And what we're hoping is, is that the computer has spewed this bloke out, and that's where we're. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're hoping it's we... not the computer says no. <laughs> Sorry, well, no, it's not. I'm hoping he's all right. No, no, I'm hoping he's all right. I mean, I see as I say, Raya would sure. probably be more reliable, but it's, it was a big price difference, and it seemed like Brentford weren't going to budge. So, and I agree mm. probably with what Milo said: forty million was a lot for someone that was in their last year. So fingers crossed for the guy. I'm, I'm, I'm well behind him, quite literally, when I sit in the South Sander, will we? Yeah. I mean, well, we've all taken it for granted that this formally signals the end of Hugo's Spurs career. I mean, and I just put, I've, I've sort of found myself wondering in the background, well, logic dictates it does, but, you know, if he chose to stick around for one more season, would we keep him? And, no. and what problems would it cause if we did? Well, he's already said that he wants to leave. He's done an interview with French media saying he wants to leave. So, um, assuming we find a buyer, I think he said he would like a new challenge. Did he not? It's the same thing, isn't it? Is this? Um, I mean, how long has he got? A year left or two years left? Yeah, yeah. One year. Is he? One year. Yeah, he's got one year yeah. left. I assume at this point, especially with the services done, we're quite happy for him to just 
we cancel the last year of the contract. You would have thought so, yeah. On, as on a free, we're quite happy with that, I think, aren't we? Even as supporters. But I mean, if he had to hang around, I don't. I've never got the imagination with Loris that he's someone that would cause any waves or even ripples. I mean, he'd. I, I would not be shocked to see him here until January and then take off on January. I wouldn't be surprised just again to ease that passage of time through. I mean, I wonder if Andy's going to look <laughs> and say, it. "Can't do it, can you?" We did a squad review. We were like, "Out, out, 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 out." <laughs> Well, I mean, all jokes aside, I'm trying to be logical about the fact that otherwise we're starting the season essentially with a new goalkeeper, a new left back and a new left centre back and a new system or a system that we haven't played for three or four years. And we're also now looking to have a new number six in. We're starting with a lot of new players playing in a new formation. And so you could argue that perhaps Andrew's going to look and say, look, if I can keep a couple of these two experienced jobbers around for another six months or so to ease through, I will. I mean, I'm not, again, I don't disagree that their time is up as first team players, but there is an argument. I don't think Lloris helps you with that transition because he's shit at all the things that Ange wants him to do. So I think actually that makes it worse. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if Forster started the season as first choice or started the first few games during that transition. And he's, you know, better suited to what Ange wants than Lloris is. Um, so, I mean, I think that's a transition we can manage. I don't think, you know, you're looking at a player there who's going to take up a foreign a foreign player spot um, and is on high wages. I think we've just got to be brave and cut our losses and uh, and, and move on. And there's ways, I think there's ways of kind of managing that transition within the squad. And I think we'll see that. You know, I think Ben Davis will probably start the season at left back. You know, I, I think there's ways we can, we can work through this. And the other good thing we are seeing is that the players are coming in early. So there's plenty of time for them to work with, with Ange before the season starts. Pedro Porro, um, Sport in Lisbon have confirmed on Sunday that we have triggered the option to make Pedro Porro a Spurs player for 40 million, much to the um, joy of Spurs Twitter, who demanded that for quite a few months. Um, Porro joined on a loan in January and made 17 appearances for us in the second half of the season. Are you pleased to see this confirmed, guys? Regardless if he hasn't got a position to play, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, he's a good player. I, I do struggle to see how um, a lot of our players fit into the same, you know, suppo- supposedly first-choice players fit into the same Postacoglu side. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what, what, what Ange does with him. Um, and I think, you know, there's ways that you could accommodate some of them, but trying to fit all of them into the same team and get everyone in the... You know, the play, where Ange wants them during certain phases of the play, play, I think, looks very difficult. So, yeah, I'm thinking particularly about, you know, Sun Kane, Decky and, and, uh, Porro together. I can't see how you can do it and it works. Um, so I, I'm interested to see what happens, but yeah, he's a, he's a good player and, um, I'm sure Ange will find a way of working with him. And, mm. you know, like, like the others, you know, evidently Ange is really keen on working with him. So it'll be interesting. And that's the key point. And that's the key to everything I think we're talking about here um, with these moves is that there is this congruence that appears to exist now between, you know, the the directorial, the football directorial side of it and the management, the coaching staff. And that's really exciting. So, yeah, I think I'm, I'm delighted to see it confirmed because I now believe that the manager wants him. So the manager sees him. And it's interesting you bring up how he can fit in, Milo, because I agree with you. That's a conundrum. And it is frankly the sort of conundrum that I think this football club should have and should have had more often um, is how to fit 
you know, exciting players into the same team. And I think the one that could actually struggle here as much as Poro to fit in could be Decky. Decky's going to have to work pretty hard, I think, to force his way into the starting 11. Um, but we'll see. It's fun. What a fun, what a fun uh, problem to have. I, mean, I think my concern with it is, is that we're potentially in a position where we have to start changing the position or the roles that players play. If if Royal gets injured and Poro comes into the side, then you've got to make significant changes to the team in order to accommodate him. And I don't think that's ideal. I'd rather have players where you can you've got a system and you can slot players in and out in order to to um, to do that. And you can you know you've got some flexibility, but it's not wholesale changes. I do think that we are looking at that with our fullbacks. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I think we'd all agree that Pedro Porro coming to the club on, you know, at this point, he's not coming in as a right back. No, I mean, the only thing that slightly annoys me about it is the congruence you say that exists now. This might have been the kind of last dregs of being slightly reactive to what the manager and the fans wanted because we were kind of demanding, we've got to sign someone, we've got to sign someone. And then knowing full well in that January window that Conte might well be in his last moments of his kind of managerial career here. So we've ended up with a £40 million player. I mean, the slight lucky side is, is what we've seen from him. It looks like he's got some really good raw skills. He's got a, you know, he'll run around forever, I presume. And he looks like he's got some really good technical ability. He's crossing, he's got some great goals for us. Um, the, The downside to that is, as we're saying, how do we like fit him into, um, how do we fit him into a system we've got? Hopefully those raw skills are malleable enough that Ange sees something with him and can mould him in into something. Mm. But but we, we kind of almost have to be happy because it's a 40 million euro chunk of money. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> you know I mean? At least yeah, he is I mean, good. I, he could have been 40 million and rubbish, but you know what I mean? So there's a silver lining. So Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I highlighted this as a risk in, in January when we were going for him in that, you know, he's very much a Conte player and if Conte's not around, it's difficult to see. Mm. You know, it doesn't give you necessarily that flexibility. I mean, I disagree with you, Steph. I think I think the only two positions he can play are kind of right wing or right back. And I think I think Angel try him at both. Um, you know, where he does better, I don't know. And I think he, I think he can tweak the system in order to accommodate Poro at right back. But the problem with that is the other players in the front line and how they fit in. But you know, this is this is something we're going to see. You know, over the next few weeks, you know, next few months, it'll be really interesting to see how he how he tackles it and what he does for them. I was just say, I think the settling in phase of like the first few months. If it's like Romero next to Porro at right back, I think that's dead risky. I mean, once we're more, let's say we become a lot better team, then maybe Porro at right back would be then less because we're just going. We might just be in a lot more control of games, and then we'll think Porro can play right back because basically he's not doing much defending. Maybe so. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree with that, and also we we have to see how Ange ends up deploying a back four. I mean, those fullbacks could be, but he might push those fullbacks way on. I mean, we just we you know these number six might we just don't know they might go flying up. We don't know, but I yeah. as it sits, he's not the best right back at the club in a defensive in in a, in a defensive sense. Uh, at all and he's not the best right back at the club for a four but my god he couldn't half make a good right winger <laughs> there's no doubt about it mm. I mean he's got that and as you say the technical ability and the football intelligence they must have analysed that and thought well we can do something with this player and maybe but create a whole other position for him it can be done uh, you know and make him and we got a starter in that got, position who knows and we've got Spence as well so I think you know that's it where it gets tricky one way or another but that's where it gets tricky, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, yeah. Who yeah. knows? It's exciting. And I do remember when Sol Campbell made his debut. I know we don't like to mention that name. Remember, he did start as a striker. So, anyway. Um, there's a breaking news here. So, Manuel Solomon. Uh, Fabrizio Romano reported on Sunday night that we've reached a verbal agreement with Manuel Solomon. 
He'll join on a five-year deal, valid until June 2028, and have his medical on Tuesday. Um, he's joining as a free agent. The CFL goes to plan with Shakhtar and FIFA rules. Um, the reason for the last bit, as we said on the pod a few weeks ago, is that his contract is up at this the end of this calendar year, and FIFA have extended their ruling that Ukrainian registered players can go out on loan for the 23-24 season. So, you know, theoretically, we could take him on loan now. We could pick him up for free in January. Um, presumably, we've reached an agreement with Shakhtar so that we can complete the transfer now. And I think we're going to go talk on a little, little while later about the uh, the friendly we've announced this week with them in um, in early August at the lane. I don't know. Maybe the two are connected. Um, what do we think of this move? Um, I think in a what would obviously be a non kind of priority position. I think it gives us enough. I think he's twenty four this month. Twenty three, so. yeah, twenty four later on this month. That's right. Yeah. So um, uh, I mean, another great age. I mean, I can't remember too much of him at Fulham. Uh, I think. As I say, if we can add something in an area which isn't essential, but it literally costs us hardly anything, it's almost it's almost a no-brainer, really, because it gives us an extra player that might develop um, and might might surprise us. Um, and I think there's been quite a there's been quite a few Israeli players. He's from he's played for Israel, doesn't he? he quite does, a few yeah. Israeli players that I've admired over the years, and I think even their very young team was very good in that other tournament not so long ago. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. He he was a bit unlucky at Fulham last year. He got injured uh, in a behind closed doors friendly a week or two into the season and didn't come back until after the World Cup. So he missed the whole of the first half of the season okay. um, and then had a really, really hot run of form in kind of January, February, time of the year. Scored quite a few in successive games. Yeah. So, But yeah, he was a little unlucky. Yeah, I mean, really, my ignorance on the player uh, precludes me from having any judgment. To be honest, I think it would be a, a waste of time and, and oxygen for me to make a judgment. I haven't seen enough of him and I don't know enough about him. So I'll assume that everything, as Ricky has said, is is is, is applicable. And uh, uh, Milo, you've, you said he had a good run of form. I, I'm sure, yeah, that's good luck. Let's hope it works out. Yeah, I'd say I think he's a decent player. He profiles quite similarly to, to Sonny. Um, I think I think it is a priority position for us, actually, because um, Ange likes his, uh, wants his wingers to stay wide. And all of our wingers want to come inside. And, you know, this is another kind of hangover from playing three at the back and wing backs. Um, yeah, all of our wide players actually want to play uh, in the half space. So um, I do think this helps. And so that's part of the reason why I think it's difficult to accommodate Poro and, and the others in the same team. Um, so, yeah, I think from that point, it helps. He's free and... It, you know, it gives us more money for centre-backs. So from that point of view, I think it's a decent signing. I mean, effectively, he's Mora's replacement, isn't he? So if yeah. we've got, you know, ra- uh, you know, rather than spending, what was it, 27 million that they wanted for Dan Juma? True. We've got him. Yeah. yeah, we've got him for nothing. So that's that's really where it... So I think on that point, you know, from that point of view, I think it's decent business. Uh, Harry Winks has joined Leicester City for £10 million. More pertinent, in my opinion, is the fact that Harry made 203 appearances for his boyhood club, the club that he loved as uh, as a youth on the on the terraces. Um, he will probably be most fondly remembered for his performances in our games against Real Madrid in the 2017-18 Champions League group stage. I would like to personally add that when I saw him score against West Ham at the lane and, and absolutely charge towards Poch and jump into his arms like a boy leaping into the the arms of dad it was one of the great celebrations i saw in the in the latter years of the lane and you know this I, I, it's a cliche 
And I know we don't do cliches on this pod, but I'm going to drop one. That bloke bled Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. And, uh, you know, I, I, I absolutely wish him the very best. Um, is this a good move for Harry? Um, and is it a good deal for Spurs, chaps? Um, it's a good deal for Spurs. I think um, he's only got a year left. So similar players like this, if we can get the reported 10 million fee for him, seems good. Because I'm, I'm kind of slightly suspicious that I think Winks might have some kind of ongoing chronic kind of injury issues that need kind of careful management you know he can play but it's just something that's in the background for him all the time so I think he went to Sampdoria was injured for quite a while wasn't he missed the whole of the first half of the season yeah he didn't yeah. didn't come back till I think it might have I, been New Year's Day his first game well, yeah but, I'm not yeah. sure whether that was because it's kind of like he's, he's always had an issue with one of his ankles isn't he that's been a bit it was ever since he did it at Burnley isn't it uh he did it at Burnley that one time he came on literally did, did yeah. it and it was never quite the same he did play pretty much every minute of the second half of the season for Sampdoria though oh, okay. and was very very good yeah so I'm sure there must have been interest for from him for him from Italy if um if he'd wanted to and I believe there was some Spanish clubs interested as well so but he obviously sees it as a new start I mean it's brave of him to drop down to the championship but I've got I mean Leicester must be favourites to bank, bounce straight back I'd guess and that kind of thing but um no, I mean, I, I mean, it was great at his time for us. I think he got a bit, I mean, the early promise got a bit marginalised when he was then asked to sort of do jobs that his skill set wasn't 100% suited towards. But, um, mm-hmm. and I think he's very kind to thank all the fans because um, if I was him, I wouldn't thank all of them. I Yeah, I think it's a good deal for us. I, I, I probably would have let him go for next to nothing. So 10 million is great. And, you know, if it effectively means Madison's 30 million, then that's, that's great yeah. business, isn't it? Um, I think he'd gone stale at Spurs. I think he needed a move. Um, he did, you know, let's say he did very well at Sampdoria last year. I, yeah, I think the, the assumption has got to be that Leicester are going to bounce straight back up. And um, in which case he's got, you know, he's joined a decent Premier League club, isn't he? And he's got a chance to re-establish himself. So yeah, it's not a bad move. It's such a great shame though, isn't it? Because uh, he is not a player whose style absolutely did not fit Mourinho or Conte. That's for sure. I mean, he just didn't. It didn't fit. Thus, he became judged, as you quite rightly said, Ricky, on that, trying to adapt to those two managers. When I think Winks playing as as we saw him under Poch is a fine player. And I think in, in another world, he would have functioned really well in a Postacogli side. Um, I mean, it's too late for him now, and I agree. His time had come and gone with us in that sense. But I always have a soft spot for someone who is from the terraces. I think it's really important to have that a, a player like that at your football club. It, 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 it's the connection is is so so important. So mm. I, I'm, I I am sad to see him go. And uh, but uh, and as you said, Ricky, I was really touched by his message, and uh, it's out there on social media. You should go and check it out. Um, you know, again, to the people who hated on him for ages and ages, I hope that they take a moment to, dwe- to you know, to think about that when they read this statement, because this bloke loved our club and probably will always love it. So I wish him nothing but the very best. Meet Matthew Craig. Old Matthew Craig has signed a new three-year contract. Matthew made his first team debut as a second-half substitute in our 4-1 win against Leeds on the last day of the season. Craig is a central midfielder and started every one of our under-21 Premier League two fixtures last season, making 28 appearances in all competitions in total, while also playing four times in the under-19 Youth League as our captain. Noel John, Noel John has signed a new contract that runs in 2025. He only gets two years for some reason. Craig gets three. Noel has made two competitive appearances for our first team. His debut coming in our 4-0 Europa League win over Wolf, Wolfersberger, AC, in February 2021. He played 24 game, times in all competitions for our under-21s last season, in addition to making four appearances in the under-19 UEFA Youth League, and has been capped by England at under-15, 
under 16, under 17, under 18, and you guessed it, under 19 levels. Um, are you pleased with Matthew Craig and Noel John signing new contracts? Guys. Go on. Yeah, I think, I mean, hopefully Noel John gets a loan. He was really unlucky um, with his loan at Charlton. I, I misspoke when we we talked about him a few weeks ago. I said I said Palace, and um, it was sh- kick myself when I was listening back through so I misspoke you had a really bad loan at uh, at uh, Charlton uh, end of the season before last um, so he hasn't had a lot of luck he played quite well last season um, I'm not sure if he's going to make it with us but I think there's a decent player there who's going to be playing at some level and could do with a loan to help him with that uh, Matthew Craig yeah had a good season last year he's a really useful player he can play uh, central midfield central defence and at full back so, you know, really useful option to have there. Um, I don't see many chances for him in the first team this season, but um, yeah, he's a good player. I think you've summed it up very well, Milo. I don't have much else to add to that other than once again, I, I, I'm interested in the level of congruence between renewing these contracts and Ange uh, being at the hub of it all. But I, I can't assume that he's had uh, too much of an influence in these decisions. I mean, these seem to be um, decisions that, you know, you would have to make with your academy players to make sure that you get some value. It's probably an academy decision, so it's probably down to Simon Davis, isn't it? It might just be to protect their value. I mean, that's still a good reason for giving them an extension, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because I think they're both... Are they both 20, I think? That's so, right, yeah. Yeah, so it gets to that stage where we've got to do something with them. The club will play, play host to Shakhtar Donetsk in our final pre-season game at White Hart Lane on Saturday the 6th of August. The game will be a fundraiser for Shakhtar Social, which is a charity that has provided financial support, humanitarian and medical assistance to children and families across Ukraine since the most recent Russian invasion in 2022. It's 25 quid a ticket and uh, and a fiver for kids to get the first look at Angie's Spurs at home. Is this good prep for the new season? Raising money for good causes, a bit of both? And are you tempted to go? I think it's nice to have the old um, customary um, final home game friendly before the main stuff starts back mm. on the lane. That's good news. Nice to see that. Um, I don't know, really. I mean, it's it's nice. To, I mean, they're a Champions League team, so I suppose that's good prep in that sense. Um, a couple of comments really would be that Twitter Spurs, you need to think, um, if you think our club's got problems, uh, you want to be a Shakhtar fan. Um, I think we've got slightly more concerning problems than we have. And the other thing I'd like to say is regarding, um, what is it, the financial support would be, um, it would... <laughs> It'd be nice for uh, dear old Roman to get his um, head out his ass and his pen out his pocket and sign off on all that money that um, Ukraine might need from um, the sale of uh, that horrible team down the road. That's my political comment for the week. Steph? <laughs> I think it is good prep for the new season. Um, it is nice to see money raised for good causes. So it ticks both boxes there. Um, yeah, look, if I was if I was in the UK for this game, I would absolutely go. But, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that whenever there's an opportunity to go to see Tottenham Hotspur, I would go. And, you know, especially if you get a nice relaxed, you know, there is something about that first game before the end, uh, before the beginning of the season. So mm. that last game before the beginning of the season, it is, it, it's a it's a pressure free game. You know, you get to have a nice day out and you get to check things out. So sure, I'd go. Yeah. I think it's quite nice actually to have a home pre-season friendly. We haven't had one for a while, have we? I think it must be the first one since, yeah. since COVID. So and I think for a lot of, Kind of young fans, it's probably their first opportunity to go to Spurs because you know tickets are cheap. It's reasonably easy to get in. You know, it's not going to be a particularly intimidating atmosphere, so it's a good chance yeah. to take kids to a game. So you know, from that point of view, I welcome it. And I've bought a ticket, so yes, I am tempted to go. Oh. I am going. Um, good, Thanks yeah, so. well done, right? Yeah. Do we? Um, it's not a question down here. Do we think this is connected to to the transfer news in any way? Do we think this might be a sweetener for that deal? I think it could be. I mean, 
it's come out of kind of left fielder friendly with Schachter. Um, uh, yeah, it could be, I think. Or at least the um, all the right people would be, you know. And I suppose the transfer would have been done by then, wouldn't it? If it's going to get done. So, yeah, this is a while. Yeah, off, I, I have no idea. I mean, I, I naively would like to think that perhaps our club saw an opportunity for, you know, to give money to a, you know, to a decent cause. I don't know if that makes me um, any more naive than some might consider I already am. Um, but I'd like to think that that was the, the prime motivator. I, I, it could I don't be both. See- it can be both. Yeah, mm. yeah. If I was yeah. going to give it degrees, I'd like to say that it was seventy percent that, and maybe thirty percent Solomon. I mean, I don't think Solomon would be enough to get a friendly going. I, I just, I can't see that being the primary driver. But again, you know, after what, <laughs> at the age of fifty-six, let it not be said that I remain football naive to, to the core at times. So you know, it's very possible. Um, <clears throat> but uh, what is confirmed, and what we do know, what we can state is a fact, is uh, Andrew Postecoglou's coaching team. Because on Tuesday, the club confirmed who will be joining him in the dugout. And they are, I will spare you an oral drum roll, Chris Davies, Ryan Mason, Matt Wells, Miller Jedinak and Rob Birch. Um, Chris Davies is senior assistant coach and has previously worked as Brenton Rogers' assistant at uh, Swansea, Liverpool, Celtic and Leicester. Uh, Ryan Mason, we all know. Of course, very well. Um, he's been appointed as assistant coach, along with our former academy player and coach, Matt Wells, who worked alongside Ryan during his spell in interim charge at the end of last season. Miller Jedinek is also an assistant coach. I think this is a really interesting one because he was mm. captain of the Socceroos under Ange and has most recently worked as a youth coach and loan development coach at Aston Villa. He previously played in the Premier League for both Villa and Crystal Palace, and I think he looks fucking cool in a tracksuit mm-hmm. top. I have to say, he's a cool presence, and uh, he'd make me pay attention. For some reason, he's just got a no-bullshit vibe about him. Uh, but it is, the, again, a little bit of congruence between him and Ange, which I think is really good, really important. Uh, finally, Rob Birch returns to the club as first team goalkeeping coach, having previously served as academy goalkeeping coach until 2019. Rob is a product of our youth setup and former goalkeeper with us in the early 2000s. Um, he has since held coaching roles with Football Association, Fulham, AFC, Bournemouth and Club Bruges. Uh, gents, in the interest of speed, I'll kind of mishmash this question. You know, uh, what do you think of it overall? Um, do you see any issues with Ange having to work with a new coaching team? And we're pleased that Mason and Mills are staying on, right? Or Mason yeah, and Mills? I think uh, Scott Parker might struggle if he gets a gig um, anytime soon because uh, uh, Wells and um, Birch are both um, both from his uh, backroom team normally that he takes with him. So we've um, we've gutted that. Um, yeah, I, I think this looks good. I'm not any I'm not worried at all about uh, Postecoglou having a new coaching setup. He did that in Japan and at Celtic. Um, obviously, he knows uh, Millet and spoken warmly about him in the interview he did on uh, Spurs play um, and spoke about what he brings. Um, I know the interview that say, Steph, we both listened to with uh, Harry Kuehl. He said that he got what Ange wanted within 48 hours of working with him. Um, so given that Ange has been knocking around the training ground last week, um, I'm sure most of these coaches have been you know, around there during that time. Um, I'm pretty sure that they know what he wants and um, you know, will be fine to take coaching what yesterday and today. So yeah, I've got no worries about that at all. And yeah, it looks got a nice balance, and you know it's a it's a young um, coaching setup, which I think is probably quite important. We know that Ange likes to keep his distance from the players, so I think what you're looking for here is coaches who will be able to you know, be a bit closer to the players and um, kind of build that relationship with them. Um, so yeah, I think I think it it looks good. It looks good. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I think the um, age group of the coaches he's chosen is interesting from the point of view they're all young. Um, and I think Davis and probably Mason as well are probably somewhere down the line looking to become first team coaches or managers themselves. And I think I think what could be the good relationship here is, is because I would like a younger manager, and I know Ange isn't, but I think in this situation, he might well be, because he's 57, so he might... I mean, intrinsically, we usually respect our elders, don't we? You know, even if, you know, even if we're all not smart this guys pod. and that. You, no, 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 obviously not on this week. No. <laughs> I like it this but week. I'm, I'm the youngest this week. I like this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Baby. No. But I think it's kind of, you have that natural respect for something you should have for someone older, especially if they're like, you know, a smart and he, and I think he could be a bit of a yes, father sir. figure to those younger group, and he might be a bit of a figurehead, a bit of a, a you know someone that they can look up to, draw inspiration and information, and his experience because you know he he's done it for many many years, and I know he's not always done it at the highest level, but he seems to know what he's on about, and he seems to talk a good game, and he's delivered wherever wherever he has gone, and I think that feeds into what you're saying, Milo, about he's quite happy to walk into these places on his on his own if he wants. He's just he's so confident in what he's going to do and how he communicates his message that I think he just carries those people with him and I think having those younger coaches would then suit that more because it's not like if you've got someone else that's like kind of middle 40s or 50s they might you know it it, it, it just might not work as well yeah I mean I, I I agree with both of you and I think look you don't need an entourage with you to be successful. I mean, this is one of the criticisms, only criticisms I think any of us and all of us had about Potch was that perhaps he could have done with refreshing the, the people around him to to, to help, mm. to, to help him maybe get a recharge here and there. I mean, look, you know, you don't need a road crew everywhere you go. Look at Chuck Berry. I mean, he went for decades from gig I mean, to gig by himself. Didn't need a tour manager. Didn't need anything. He just showed up, played the and, gig and left. And he worked with and he worked with the club. He worked with the house sound. He worked with the house lights. He worked with who he worked with at the time. Yeah, and the job he did, job he did at Sheffield Wednesday was fantastic, wasn't he? I mean, no it one was good, wasn't it? He <laughs> Well, they did say, and that, and that lad Berry came in, they said he'd do now up there. He did a fantastic job, as you're absolutely right. And then he, cru- he cruised off a couple of years later and rocked up somewhere else. But I think the point that we're all making about about Ange and, and the coaching staff is, is bang on. And yeah, it's great. I mean, he's, I, I, I've no worries at all. I've no worries I mean, with him at all. There doesn't seem to be any noise that he's upset that the Celtic guys can come. Because I presume the people, the clubs he's gone to, he always he might connect with people and he might think, you're a great bloke, yeah, I love your skills and we connect really well. And he might want to come with us, but if it doesn't happen, he's he's you know he's made new relationships everywhere. So yeah, I mean, I think just to pick up on one of the things you said, uh, Ricky, about um, Davis going into management, evidently he turned down the Swansea the first, you know, manager's job at Swansea to join us. Mm-hmm. And Mason also had a few clubs in the well, evidently in, in, in the continent and and Premier League and Championship are interested in taking them on as manager as well. Mm-hmm. So you've got two people on the coaching staff who've turned down the chance to be a boss somewhere, you know, number one somewhere, which I think, you know, says something about kind of the, you know, the level of experience we've got within that co- coaching team. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, um, I think it goes well. I think that probably the other thing actually just briefly on, on Ange is that, you know, part of the reason he's given for not taking coaches with him when he went to Japan and Celtic is that he was traveling halfway across the world and he didn't want to uproot everyone to go with him. So I think that's part of the reason and maybe part of the reason why he wanted to bring um, some of the coaches down from, from Celtic, because obviously mm. it's not as far, but I think quite a few of them have been club men have been there for a while, so yeah, it's understandable they, they wanted to hold them on. And effectively, we've done a swap, haven't we? Because uh, Brendan Rodgers has walked into Celtic and picked up Angie's backroom team, and we've got Davis, who you know you might have expected him to uh, you know, to join uh, Rodgers at Celtic otherwise. True, yeah, Fam- uh, familiar yeah, I mean, place for a Madison, I presume. So that's 
Mm, that's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and I think also, I mean, you know, Angie's at that point in his life. It's a brilliant place where you're comfortable enough with who you are. You know what you you know what you can do, and you don't have the fucking time to waste on what you can't have and what you won't have. That's not to say you give in to everything, but you're also realistic enough to understand that you can't have everything you want. And actually, what you've got is is pretty good. And so I'd say getting Jedanek in is probably a really good thing for him. It's probably that's probably more than enough mm. congruencies. Yeah. Anyway, good. Good. I think, I think it's like it's that quiet confidence thing again, isn't it? It's back to the uh, yeah. you know, whether you're here or not. You know, it's going to be a different Spurs under me, and the kind of having yeah. the confidence to walk in with somewhere without any of your own people and say, right, I'm in charge. This is what yeah. we're doing. This is how we're going. You know, yeah. and I think a lot of players will respond to that. Yeah, I also have to say I enjoyed in his in his interview the fact that he threw in the word mate within about the first minute. I, mean, I, I, I don't know. There's something very comfortable about him, and it makes me realise. I don't know how you both feel. It makes me realise how tired I got of of, of the noise love week is in, in week air. out. Every time I look around, <laughs> love is in the air. With every side and every you sound. were in, but in fairness, you were in early doors. I mean, you were you were well, you were you were all over I, it. I mean, so yeah, no, know, no, no, I think no, you were begging for a change as much as all of us, and I think we're yeah, all yeah, in the no, same absolutely. boat, aren't we? And, yeah, and, it's great. And he was he was someone that I was when when we, yeah. Conte first went. He was someone that I he was on my list. He wasn't yes. one or two, but he was uh, there or thereabouts afterwards. So yeah, I'm very happy. Yeah. Very happy. Yeah. yeah, I am. So so who? I, I've lost. See, this is where you know. This is where when you go yeah. from a rigid Conti system to a more front foot Ange system, I've lost sight of it's, what position it, I'm, we're meant to be in. Yeah. Who's reading it, Kane? It's it's Ricky. Wait, transfer rumours. Let's get on it. Kane, you know <laughs> Harry Kane. Uh, Bayern Munich are interested in signing Harry Kane. Hmm, are they? Uh, we know this already. They have been tapping him up with frequent public statements from their great and not so good. Great and not so good over the last year. Yeah. Does that make sense? Okay. This week, there were various reports that Bayern <laughs> tabled a €70 million Euro bid for Kane earlier this week, and that Spurs rejected this, obviously. Um, with Bayern planning to come back with an increased bid and reports in Germany that Kane was open to the move, and in some accounts has already agreed terms with Charlie Kane, but probably not. Um, how do you feel about this? Uh, and how much do you take? <sighs> Sorry, I need to make sense. It is a boring, long transfer saga, I think. That isn't really even a transfer saga. But what do you think, guys? I think we've um, we've we've bashed our heads together with this on other weeks, haven't we? About the not so much with Bayern, but yeah. Oh, not with Bayern, no. I mean, I don't think they would have submitted a bid if he wasn't interested. They would have sanded him out. Hmm. So I think kind of makes sense. So I I think there probably is an interest there. Whether Bayern can match our valuation of of him, I think, is probably the the question. And I think. uh, that it would be considerably more than 70 million euros. I think, you know, you'd have to be probably put half on top of that again to be kind of getting close to where our valuation of him is. And I'm not sure whether Bayern would go that far. Well, I think if if you look at Bayern's track record of transfers, like we said before, they don't normally, they don't, you know, they don't buy £100 million players, do they? Very rarely do that. They don't either need to because they mm. can just steal them off Dortmund and stuff like that. <laughs> but um, but um, City are doing that now, so it's not so easy for them. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think the thing that did come out of our previous chats was I kind of agreed with what Milo said, that the best case scenario is if we sell him abroad, we sell him, well, to a club abroad and we get a good fee for him. Um, And I think the worst case on the flip side of him staying, I'm now kind of minded to think, is that it's not really the loss of the fee even. It's more that he can then go to any club he wants. And, you know, we've got no control over that then. But I'm kind of more minded. I'm still in the camp that I want him to stay, really. I just think it might smooth over any kind of transition. And also I hold on to the thought that Ange can, you know, Ange can give him the old Madison talk and just um, 
over the year well, wheedle into his little brain won't. that we're going places. He, he won't. He won't have to give him the Madison talk because they will have had that talk on numerous occasions in the last few weeks when they've been in the England dressing room together because obviously Harry Kane will have known that James Madison is coming to Tottenham. I think the thing that would have probably surprised Harry more than anything is the speed at which the deal was was done. Uh, I I have a personal theory that that deal was done quickly to show Harry Kane that we do mean business. Um, because I don't think Daniel wants to sell him. I don't think Daniel does want to keep him and hope that he's having such a great time come Christmas that he'll sign an, an, uh, a new contract. Um, Bayern Munich have been sniffing around Harry Kane for the better part of a year. The press seem to be as enamoured with trying to sell Harry Kane this summer as Harry Kane is with leaving. I think they're more interested in him leaving than Kane is. I don't think Kane cares whether he goes this season or the next. As you said, Ricky, he knows he gets a full choice uh, if, if we run down the contract and he doesn't sign a new one. I think he's very relaxed about it. It seems that the media are driven to try and sell him. I've read a couple of articles this week, which I find actually uh, to be a little, um, I don't know about offensive, but they're certainly arrogant. Disrespectful. In terms of, well, it's time for him to move on. Disrespectful. Thank you. Uh, so, you know, look, I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think he's going to buy Munich. I mean, he certainly isn't unless Ange uh, thinks in the next week and a half, I don't have the player I want here. And if that's Ange's decision, then great. But it's, yeah, it I shouldn't mean, be Bayern uh, Munich's decision. It's up to it's up to Ange. If Ange wants to keep him for another year, then Daniel doesn't sell him, and Harry fucking sticks around. It's simple, in my well, opinion. I think that's pro- I think that probably is the situation. I think um, yeah. that there's um, most of the reports have said that, that they're due to have a talk when Kane returns to training, which I think is the twelfth of June. Sorry, twelfth of July. Hmm. Uh, the internationals got another you know, couple of weeks off. Um, I mean, I, I think he probably does want to join Bayern Munich. I think they wouldn't have bid if he if they hadn't got a green light from him. There's no point wasting your time with it, is there? Um, but I do think it comes down to that valuation. I think we're going to want 100 million quid for him. Um, but I do think, I mean, if you, if they bid that, I would sell him because I mean it's a risk. But I think yeah, that problem yeah. of trying to get all those players into you know into the team, I think he is what part of that problem. And he doesn't quite fit the profile of what Ange just used as a as a number nine at his other clubs. Um, Son and Richarlison fit that better. I think we've got a replacement already. We can yeah, you know, we could make the the, the whole better i think with that money but it's you know it's a hell of a punt and and the other you know having him staying around isn't a bad problem to to have either so you know (laughs) no and i think in 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 order um i think i'm clarifying for you and you'll tell me if if i'm not but i I think when milo's saying you know we've got a ready-made replacement nobody's suggesting that anyone has a ready-made replacement for harry kane because harry kane is irreplaceable but i think you mean as a number nine and i completely agree Uh, i just want to clarify i mean harry kane as a footballer is an irreplaceable footballer, and I know you're not saying that, but just in case no. someone's like, well, you think Richarlison's going to be placed? Like, no, nobody's saying Richarlison is Harry Kane, but he is Brazil's number nine. Well, he's a, well, a centre forward of some quality. Sonny's yes. a great a great option there as well. I think, yep. you know, if you look at an end front, front line, you've got wingers who stay wide, which none of ours are, and you've got a centre forward who runs in behind, presses hard and runs in behind, breaks behind the line, which isn't Harry Kane. So if you look at a front line, as good as it is, it's not really built for what he wants or what he's used previously. And I think, you know, two of our wingers, Richardson and Son, are probably better through the middle in an Ange team. So, you know, obviously, you've got a 30 goal a season player in Kane. He's one of the best strikers in the world. It's a hell of a problem to have, isn't it? Having someone like that. But I think in terms it of is. balance of the squad, balance of the squad, I think, and, you know, if you can get 100 million and he might leave for free in a year's time. I can see I can see the sense in it. Yeah. I mean again for me it comes down to the manager. If he wants to keep him then then he stays. Oh, of course, of course. 
I'm not saying I'm not I'm not saying selling him against his against his wishes. Yeah, no. of course. No, no, of course. <laughs> Go on. Various journals reported on Thursday that Atletico Madrid are interested in signing Pierre Emil Hoybier this summer. The Athletics say that no bid has been received yet, but that Spurs and Hoybier are open to him leaving. This follows reported interest from Bayern Munich earlier this window. Again, I think because we've uh, rabbited on quite a bit, uh, I would squeeze all these questions together. Um, what do you think? Should we sell Pierre? Will Atletico be a good move for him? How much should we ask for? Yes, I would take £30 million. Uh, and Atletico would be a great move. Um, I would think, I think with two years left, it's definitely an opportunity to think of moving him on because in next year his value will be lower or we'd be looking at giving him a new contract and I meant a new contract would be four years and I don't really want him around for any, you know, any more. Well, I, I don't, I'm quite happy for him to go now. So obviously I'm not going to want him around for like four years. That's not like I'm, that's not a slur on him. He's, no, he, he plays really you. well for us all the time. He puts yes. so much effort in. You need players like that in your team. Uh, whether we can have other players like him, but maybe are a bit technically better going forward, hopefully. Some of the players we've even got can maybe step up to do that. Um, but I can see him at Atletico for some reason, especially if Simone's there, that whole barrel mm. chest of his in the old red and white striped shirt. I can see him cruising around that midfield. Um, but yeah, now is the time, I'd say. And money-wise, if it's 25, I'd be happy with. But I mean, I yeah. think with his profile, there's a chance a club will come in and maybe do 30, 35. Who knows? Mm. I mean, Atletico are a club that we do business with reasonably regularly, aren't they? So they seem to be quite keen on taking our unwanted players yeah i think it's i mean it's a, it's a good club to go to it's a you know nice league um i agree with you on Simeone. if he stays there then uh Hoybier seems like a good fit you know he's he's done quite well for us under kind of under reactive managers rather than proactive managers and the way atletico plays is not dissimilar to that yeah. um agree with what you're saying on the price and agree with you ricky in terms of you know he's 28 he's got two years left on his contract it feels like you know if you if you want to sell your players at their kind of peak value I think that's kind of where we're, where we're entering. If he stayed around, I think you know he's useful. He could play a few positions for us, but we've got quite a few players who are a bit samey, and we need to create some space. So you know, I'm not uh, not hating on him, but it just feels like a good business move and the right time for everyone. Right, Davinson Sanchez and and chaps. I'm just going to run through all these defenders. I might as well just take them all on as a, as a job lot here. Yeah, okay. And, uh, and I'm also and I'm also not going to address the questions coming up here. I'm going to answer it for us all because I know what the answer is. Um, Davinson Sanchez. The Turkish press are reporting that Galatasaray are interested in Davinson Sanchez and the negotiations have begun. They say that Galatasaray value him at nine million euros and we want fifteen million euros. The question is, Levy would be mad to Brentford this, wouldn't he? And the answer from all of us is yes. He would be yep. mad. Uh, this yep. is not this is not a slur on on Davinson again. It's not, and again, another player who always gives a, 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 the proverbial one hundred percent when he plays for us. But the time is now, and and and, and I, I wish him his freedom. Um, and, and I, wish I think us I think he's made nine million euros. And I think he's made it clear that he wants to leave and wants yes. to try uh, try a new league right. as well. So, there, and there's been stories that a couple of Premier League clubs are interested, but yeah. he wants to try something new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and good luck. And I, I wish him the best of luck, as I know we all do. Um, mm. Ryan Sessignon, the Nottingham Post, say that Forrest are interested in signing Ryan Sessignon. This person is another deal I would be happy to see happen. Chaps, mm -hmm. yes or no? Yep. Yeah, but I'm quite happy for Ryan to go. I think um, I've always, I don't want to know hate on him either, but mentally I think he, he just sometimes struggles with things. And usually yeah. that's his own confidence, his own ability. And I think our new manager, there's a few boxes you've got to tick that are just, foundation essentials I think and strong mentality is one of them 
Yeah. So, so how 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 Forest have got any money left and any squad spaces left after God. the kind of year they've had? They're being linked with yeah. uh, Ianacho as well, which I think uh, Ianacho for nine million, I think, which is a fantastic bit of business if they pull that off. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Tosin Adarabio, uh, Alistair Gold has said that we are interested in Fulham centre back Tosin Adarabio. This is a rumour that has been knocking around for a while. Uh, Tosin came through at Manchester City and after a few loan spells at West Brom and Blackburn, joined Fulham three years ago. He's 25 years old, six foot five, homegrown, and has a year to run on his contract. Uh, chaps, a player has caught your eye before, or have you been joining me on the YouTube coaching sessions? I've never noticed him for one moment and I've not been doing any of the YouTube stuff and that will probably count towards uh, the next two defenders as well. So the floor is yours, Milo. I've watched him a bit. I've watched him a bit. I think, I think this is, I think we'll sign him and one of the next two. Um, Mm. I think you know, really? business. Yeah, business. Well, I think this is one that's going to happen. We've been heavily linked. He's decent on the ball. He's tall. You know, reasonably, you know, okay in the air. And um, okay, yeah, I think. I think, and uh, again, uh, would be comfortable mopping up behind. And we need some homegrown players. So yeah, I think this is one that will happen. Yeah, the the thing that gives me uh, pause to agree with you there, or not pause, that actually pushes me to agree with you there is that he has Premiership experience, and again, in a in a in a new, uh, virtually new defence, you you want some. Uh, I love this word congruence. Congruence with either Premiership or with other players in your squad or something. So the fact he's played uh, Premier League football obviously is is going to be a strength. I thought he was I thought he was okay. I didn't think he was outstanding. Uh, but there again, again, that's my YouTube coaching. What do I know? Very little. Um, Van de Ven, uh, as we said last week, uh, uh, Fabrizio Romano has reported that we have opened talks with Wolfsburg with with Wolfsburg for Mickey Van de Ven. Uh, Van de Ven, oh, I love it. I just love saying the name. Is said to be keen on the move and has said that he is aware of our interest in a recent interview, which is very nice mm-hmm. of him. Um, and then, of course, we've got Tapsoba, Romano. In the same breath says that our priority centre back target remains Edmund Tapsoba, but he will be more expensive. Um, we briefly went through this last week. Um, do we just want to recap? Uh, well, actually, you started the ball rolling here, Milo, because you said you think it's going to be Tosin plus one of these two. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think I think it, it's as Romano is saying. I think Tapsoba is our top choice, but he's likely to be more expensive. And if it, if we can't um, can't negotiate the fee down, then I think Van de Ven is probably second choice. And they profile reasonably similar. Tapsoba is um, you know more first team ready, a uh, bit more experienced, a uh, bit more composed. But Van de Ven is is you know is promising and good. So yeah, I think it's pretty much as and bloody fast. As it seems. As well, yeah. I mean, they're both. They're both Van de Ven is very yeah, 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 fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thirty-five, Van, Van Van has 35 kilometers an hour. But they're both fast. They're both more than quick enough to do this, and they're both more than good enough on the ball. So, yeah. I mean, funny enough. I, I mean, I think I was thinking about this. There's we haven't got it down here, but but there was a story this week that Dyer doesn't want to leave this summer and is planning to stay stay around. Um, I think I think that's fine. He's he's entering his last year of the contract. His contract. I think that makes sense. Um, and I think it might suit everyone for him to see out his last year and leave for free next summer. And I was wondering about, in terms of balance, actually maybe Dyer is better off being uh, Romero's understudy, and we use him as a front foot defender, and then two of these three are our left-sided option who kind of mop up behind them, and that way we don't have the concerns about Dyer on the turn or getting beaten for pace tracking back. And actually maybe that's a way through that problem, and, you know, he gets... You know, fifteen games next season as as uh, as an understudy at, at right centre back, um, and it might work. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree shout. more. 
Yeah, again, it is very much down to the style of play we're purporting to to take up under And, which is a return to what we played, you know, uh, we played in the attitudes we've had, you know, for so many years of Eric Dyer's career before those last two came in and completely exposed him. So yeah, any 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 defense of Eric Dyer is 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 good for me. Um, so yeah. No, I have to say, one agree. thing that was occurring to me is that young Eric Dyer probably would have been perfect for the right back role under Ange, where he wants the yeah. kind of right backs to push yeah. up and tuck in. So he would have been yeah. a, a right back, which where he's got his first games for Poch, the right back come central midfield. Uh, might have been quite a good. Um, so if we've got a time machine and can take him back seven or eight years, then maybe that's what we can do with him. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, I hand the baton over. I, I mean, I. I Again, though, in the in the inter- in the interest of time, chaps, do we want to crunch these questions? Should we do these as? Um, sure. Why don't I run through this and we'll do them as one worders because we've we're over yeah. the kind of one hour twenty mi- yes. minute, yeah. and um, yeah, yeah, I've got to yeah, get this edited before quickly. I go to bed. So, okay. uh, a transfer transfer window so far. Uh, so we're a few weeks into the window, as we've covered tonight. <laughs> so loads has happened. So, how do you think we're doing so far? One word answers. Had a schedule. Well, yeah. <laughs> Agree with that? Yeah, happy with the business so far. Um, not a one-word answer, but I'd noticed that, say, totting it all up, we spent about 110 million so far, which includes Decky and Porro. Um, to translate that into language that we'll all understand, that's about the same as a Declan Rice so <laughs> far. Okay. Um, are you happy with the profile of players we're signing? I think this is probably as much about the kind of moving on when the first choice isn't available as well. So having kind of two, three options lined up for every position. We happy with that yep. as approach? Well, I think that's the best approach. You've got to have, you know, I mean, whether um, Paratici brought that in as an approach, but uh, mm. if you've got more data involved, then you're just going to have, you know, you're going to, it's going to spit out more players, isn't it? You know, I am happy with the profile of players we are signing because they are being signed for the manager and he has a style he wants to play. <laughs> so it kind of flows into the next question. How do you think the squad's shaping up for Ange? Well, I assume we're all on the same page and uh, not us as a pod. I mean, us as a club, you know, the people working behind the scenes there. Right. And I think it is. I think Ange's, yeah, he's, he's, I think he's, well, I say he's getting what he wants, but I just, I'm, my assumption is his demands probably aren't as um, mm. heavy as um, the two previous guys. So, yeah, he's, yeah, he's open, true. he's open to be persuaded, you know, and he's in the conversation. So, you know, if, 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 if they profiled certain players and they're all fits, then he's happy with one or the second one as probably the goalie situation proved, I think. I think it's shaping up well for him because his philosophy is not as, you know, finite and, 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 and you know, drum drum tight. Like, so there can be a little bit of flexibility in the choices uh, as long as they fit the, the philosophy that he wants in each position. So, yes, it seems to be shaping up well for him. I hope mm. it continues. One thing that occurred to me during the week is it's hard to imagine him describing a player as a club signing, isn't it? You can't really, you can't really imagine him doing the kind of Jed Spence treatment on someone, even if um, kind of that's where they, even if that's where they're being signed. We, um, we, we, there's a whole other pod to be done about about that. That the last season, we still have a fully that last season is going to be traumatic for for a long time, and that that what you've isolated there is one of the reasons. It was absolutely pathetic to say um, that. Yeah, anyway. I mean, I, I think he has got quite specific requirements, but. Um, but it's just easier to work with, I think, probably. And I think probably yeah. also that the targets are more realistic than we had last summer mm. um, on the whole. Um, are there any priority, priority gaps left to fill? I think it's probably just centre-back, isn't it? Yeah, really. Yep. Yeah. I think then it's kind of de- dependent on, on departures and whether the, a good player becomes available. I think if we bring in two centre-backs, we've probably done everything we need to do this summer. And 
I would agree. Potentially two centre backs and everything else is gravy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everything else is gravy after the two centre backs. Yeah. Yeah, and then it's opportunistic. I mean, obviously, if key players leave, they need to replace them. But that's kind of where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, that's right. It'll just it just be it just be trading towards the back end, won't it? With stuff we can get rid of and stuff we can't. And also by that time, you'd have had two, three, four weeks of looking at some of the people that yeah. are here. So you never know. As Steph says, a couple of them might surprise us that they're part of his yeah. plan. So. And I suppose, I mean, this kind of flows out of that. How confident are we that we can shift our unwanted players? You know, bearing in mind, we probably need to lose, I don't know, 12, 15, something, somewhere in that region of the squad in order to kind of be able to register everyone and, and <laughs> have a team that's worth, you know, that actually works. Yeah, I mean, I think this plays into the signings that we're making. Right? The signings we're making, you know, I can complained about initially about David Rea not coming in and, and, and then we signed Vicario who profiled well. I think that allows you to maybe cancel contracts on the back end where maybe before you'd have had to make money in order to sign your top target. So maybe there's some, you know what I'm saying? There's some sort of balance going on there. Well, okay, well, we've got a couple of players per position. We'll sign the cheaper one who profiles the same way and it's going to make it easier for us to cut our losses in a financial mm. sense on the on, on the other side. So I mean, it, it really does depend on how uh, aggressive we are in cutting our losses because we are going to have to cut our losses on several players we're going to have to take a loss there's no doubt we're not going to get I mean, the, the you know what we want for everyone i mean so, there is the financial balance of any deal really regardless of people just say like, oh just pay the money in that and as i said earlier maybe uh we've got madison below market rate we didn't pay 17 20 million more pound for raya and we saved right. five million on decky and you know once you start totting that up it's um you know pay for one center back if not you know more it's that yeah. kind of thing and you do and it is a it is a numbers game at, at, at certain but, levels well not at some clubs it isn't but our club it is but you know i think it means not, you can cancel a couple of contracts if you have yeah, to as well. yeah that you can just do yeah. it get them out I, yeah i mean i think yeah i think we'll probably end up around the you know, with the two center backs coming in probably spending around about 160 million probably where we are finishing up i would have thought on that business um you know we talked about hoybier going we talked about cessnion going we talked about sanchez going all of those look like they're going to get a fee i think one of the things la celso yeah i think one of there's definitely a lot of interest in la celso um i think one of the things that's very different this summer is that kind of the saudi money came coming in as kind of kick-started the market quite often you have to wait until the back mm-hmm. end of the window for a big move to happen Very and then everything happens off the back of that i think it's happening a lot quicker and maybe with um with rice moving as well for big money west ham will be going out and buying and that kind of creates space and and yeah. the market's moving a bit quicker and i think we've got a number of players that could you know could work you know could benefit from that and we might might be a bit easier to shift this year than it would have been would have been last year and there's always the potential that we could be selling a few to Saudi as well who probably won't have the issues with wages that a lot of European clubs have with some of our players so you know um you know having two weeks ago kind of slagged off uh that league and what was happening there it it might actually work in our favour we're now willing to take the money is that what you're saying (laughs) I would always be willing to take the money it's just uh (laughs) um But, you know, it is puzzling when you look at, say, Chelsea, for instance, who seem to have no trouble shifting players, even players who've done really badly. And you know that they're going to be on big, big wages. And um, and we don't we've never been able to do that. So, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of work to do there, but maybe it's better conditions than we've seen the last few the last few summers. I, so. I wonder if we can squeeze West Ham for 30 for Pierre. I think he'd be. I think he'd be yeah. quite a good rice replacement, actually. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he'd be great. Be a great, be yeah. great, be great. He'd have a good time over there. I think. You know, to be fair, I mean, as you say, anyway. they've got such a big fee for rice that they're. You know, they've got a long way to balance their books. You know, they've got a bit of money. To I, was, spend. I was. I was trying to think about a Premier League club who might want Ndombele, and actually, Forest is the only one I can think of because I think. <laughs> I think 
Um, I think the problem with Ndombele is, I think in years gone by, he would have, it's a bit like JJ Okocha did at Bolton, you know, where you kind of build the team over around him, give him a free role and just say, go out and have fun and don't worry about the rest of it. And he'd be great. And most clubs don't play like that anymore because it's a team game and everyone's got to be involved yeah. in everything. So I think it makes it a lot harder for him to fit in. And I think that's probably true. So I'm trying to think about a club which spending money like crazy and might be prepared to kind of create create a role for him. And I think Forrest is the best I've managed to do. I could see him end up in the Saudi league, actually. Yeah, I think, I think. Oh, that's what I was going to say. I can imagine him, you know, because he can, he can relax there, I think. You know what I mean? He's not like so much spotlights on him. He's not in a prime league. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah. And he might still see it that he's going to be playing with decent players because there are going to be quite a lot of players that end yeah. up there. And they'd Come be on, able, Moisey, yeah. step up. Moisey, step up. Do a double. Do a double deal. You can have both <laughs> of them for 50. <laughs> both of them for 45. How's that? You have both of them for I'd, 45. I'd, 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 I'd swap one of them for pa- uh, Paoletta. Who's the bloke that played they ball? Everyone I've watched him, I think he's really good. Paqueta. Who's the chap? Yeah, yeah, I Paqueta, like him. He's a good yeah. player. Yeah, he's a good yeah. player. But the the, 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 the rumour that's come up that, that uh, I like the most this week that we didn't get into our notes is Polina at Fulham. I just yeah. thought that I think he's a really, he's a he's a decent player. And if we were to move Pierre-Emile Hoybier on, but we have run out of time. Yes. We've run out of time. Waffling. Maybe we'll get to talk about Polina and other rumours next week. One thing's for sure, there are going to be loads of rumours to talk about this summer. Uh, it has been a particularly active start to the transfer window and uh, pre-season training is upon us. It's all good. It's all going to be as much fun as it was this week again lads so thanks just <laughs> going to be much more fun nice to Steph. be had uh as you can tell we're going to be back next week um you know with our weekly dose of spurs related chat and throughout the summer summer's disappearing the season's already upon us boys <laughs> as always folks thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week